0: Outfront with Vince Noble, the weekly podcast that gives emerging leaders and career transitioning individuals the information and inspiration to thrive and become their best. Available wherever you download or listen to your podcasts.
1: There is a new weapon in the fight against COVID-19. The Valoro company provides NASA-based active pure technology air purifiers that rapidly
0: eliminate 99.9% of airborne SARS-CoV-2 viruses from your immediate environment. This amazing advanced technology filtering system was first developed for use by the NASA Space Shuttle program, and now to help meet the curable demand of the global pandemic
1: crises, this amazing technology is made available at affordable pricing to the general public for your home or place of business use. For more information, contact U.S. Asia OT and Majestics LLC at 689-222-8900 or 312-200-0109 or email subject information at usasiaonlinetrade at gmail.com.
0: Welcome to this episode of the Outfront Podcast with host Vince Noble. The podcast that gives emerging leaders and career transitioning individuals the information and inspiration to thrive and become their best. For sponsorship and advertisement opportunities, please contact info at nobleresolutions.com. And now, your host, Vince Noble. I want to acknowledge each and every one of you. We're stepping into your authentic power today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Outfront Podcast, The show that gives emerging leaders and career transitioning individuals the information and inspiration to thrive and become their best. I am your host, Vance Noble. In this episode, we'll get a chance to talk today with Mr. Marcus Muhammad. We'll get a chance to discuss his newly published book, transforming pain to passion, thriving with HIV, and so much more. As always, before we get started with these extraordinary conversations, I want to say as much as I love how intellectually stimulating they are, they are meant to do more than pique our intellect. They are meant to drive us into meaningful action. So as you listen, Our guests are not solely on this show to promote themselves, their services or products, have in large part to promote or to provide significant insight and actionable steps to encourage you and engage you thereby helping to shift you from one level to the next. So I encourage you to listen and to think about how you in some way may be positively impacted, no matter who you are, it is my greatest hope that you find tremendous value in today's episode. We have a lot to unpack in this episode, so let's go. to the show today marcus
1: peace peace thank you sir thank you i'm very very honored and delighted to be here today and first of all i just want to thank you you know for opening up your platform to see and value in my story you know to taking time out your schedule so that way we can dialogue with one another and that i can share my story in hopes to help inspire and uplift individuals throughout the world so i'm very honored you know i definitely want to give all the glory all the thanks to god you know for his love and for you know um you know, using us as people to help and to inspire other people to allow us to, um, get back onto the right track of life, you know, which is, um, you know, living the best life we can and, you know, submitting to him and, you know, living in prosperity as, you know, the Christ said, you know, living in abundance. And so I'm, I'm very honored and I thank you for this wonderful podcast that you're hosting.
0: Again, uh, welcome to the show today. And it is indeed a pleasure, uh, to have you come and spend some of your time with us. Uh, and share a part of your uh, remarkable story of resiliency. Um, And the fact of the matter is uh, Marcus, HIV and AIDS pandemic uh, is still a pervasive uh, global concern uh, on top of a current uh, COVID uh, pandemic um, with nearly 40 million people with the disease. And so I believe you know, there is still a lot of uh, individual perceptions, if you will, that need to change. Uh, the disease may not always become contracted in the way that many individuals perceive it. And so it is not always uh, in the way um, of a person's direct at-risk behavior, if you will. So, Marcus, um, you know, I really applaud you for your courage to You know, write this remarkable book and, uh, in fact, share a part of your story. And quite frankly, um, to help continue, educate and uh, bring awareness to the subject. You know, one of the things I often say uh, quite frankly, is that, you know, your story is your story. And, you know, you will never know how the world will respond to your story until you tell your story. Um, But you have to be willing to tell your story because I happen to believe there's healing in your story. There's deliverance in your story. Um, I believe there's miracles still in your story. And so your story may be the story that helped change the trajectory of someone's life for the rest of their life. Um, But you have to be willing to have the courage and willingness to tell your story. Um, So, Marcus, listen, tell us a little bit about yourself, your early childhood, uh, what was your influences like and what has brought you to the work you so passionately do today?
1: Well, you know, just in response to what you just said and to answer your question, um, just the introduction of your question in itself, you know, about your story being your story and there's healing in your story and the power of the story. And, you know, um, for me, I had to learn that, you know what I mean? I always, um, desired, even at six, seven, eight years old, to share my story. Like, I literally remember sitting in the backseat of my mother's car on the way to doctor's appointments and visualizing myself. You know, I didn't know what I was doing at the time, but I just, you know, would take joy in seeing myself, you know, speaking to individuals, speaking to crowds of people and, you know, teaching on healing and helping individuals with HIV and other diseases. However, um, growing up, I always thought that I um, would first have to be completely healed. Like I have to go get tested and for the test to say negative for me to really see value, not for me to see value, but for others to see value in my story and for it to really be able to aid and assist others. I thought that the story that I have right now wouldn't be that beneficial, you know? Um, So I just wanted to just... um, you know, say that what you just said there just really stuck out to me and touched me because there's, there's truly is power in one sharing their story. So just a little bit about, um, you know, me and what I'm doing today and who I'm striving to become, you know, it all, you know, obviously starts from birth, you know, uh, God plans and he's the best of planners. Um, but just the experiences that I had experienced, um, the environment, which I was around, um, growing up with this disease made me think and feel a certain way about myself, um, Mm -hmm. in a way to where I truly desired to just wanna live. Like, you know, um, some people may want to grow up to be this, this and that. And my goal was to wanna live Mm -hmm. and wanna help others live, you know, abundance Mm -hmm. um live in abundance and live a prosperous and a healthy lifestyle. I desire to have a family and have children because um growing up I didn't know um and my mother wouldn't tell me these things like, Oh, you may not have children, but you know, going to the doctors very often it just would, something was um like, okay, something's not right. um And then when the doctors would really educate me on, as I grew older, on HIV in a way, it spread it. I said, man, you know, I I probably won't really have a normal lifestyle. So with me having um those, uh, you know, facing that type of adversity at a young age, you know, it always kind of made me have the certain mindset that, you know what, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a healer. I want to be a scientist. I want to develop care. I'm going to heal from this and gonna I mean, help others do the same thing. And I would always envision others going through similar situations or something. And I would see, um, you know, who has probably, you know, had the most or the heaviest impact on my life that I know, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. you know, other than my mother is the honorable minister, Louis Farrakhan, you know, just to mm-hmm. see his works and to see his love that he has presented to our people and to the world. Um, and I said, you know what, I want to be great like him. And I always envisioned being great, um, speaking um, similar to what he's doing, but, you know, healing individuals that have physical illnesses or even spiritual um, challenges or burdens that they have. And so growing up around all that and, you know, the um, the faith that my mother had instilled in me, you know, made me to uh, think a certain way. So, and as I grew up, you know, it was, it was challenging, um, you know, definitely was challenging and I didn't know how I would do it, but I kept um, going, you know, I would go to little uh, business seminars, networking events, and read books. I kept hearing people say, "Share your story." Not not to me, but just how, you know, if you want to be like a motivational speaker, you want to reach people, mm-hmm. you want to help people, the importance of sharing your story and the value in it. And I kept, and it kept. I had the spirit come upon me, like it was like a voice from within, like, "Share your story." It's time. It's time. It's time. And it was 2018. it's just all these different instances kept lining up. And that's one day I got my wife, got with my wife and I said, you know what? I said, I think it's time to share our story, share my story. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's, it's time. And the spirit of God just dwelt upon me and I, I, he guided me to, to do it. And, um, and like you said, since when I did it, it was as if, like you said, it was healing. It was healing me, you know, because I felt I can, I can feel me connecting to other individuals, you know, because it's not about me. It's not particularly about what I'm going through. It's about sharing my experience to other individuals that may need help or may need something that's going to inspire them. And I can show, well, this is how God is using me. And they may say, whoa, now I can be used in a certain way.
0: Yes. So so Marcus, you know, you talk in the book about, again, the fact that you were um, born with the HIV virus. Um, and, And again, I know you talk a little bit about how your mother kind of, would tell you certain do's and don'ts when you were very young. Um, And she would, she would tell you things like uh, in particular, um, you know, don't, don't, don't be uh, kissing little girls and and that sort of thing. However, she never directly told you then, Um, you know, however, how old were you exactly when you reached the realization that you in fact um, was born with the HIV virus and sort of what was your first reaction, but more importantly, what was everyone else's reaction and the support system and processes like moving into that reality?
1: Well, yes, it was when I was six is when she first told me, like, that's my earliest memory of, you know, um, knowing something was up, you know, and mm-hmm. she said that I had a blood infection. And she said she deliberately didn't tell me HIV because one I may have not understood and children go around talking about stuff. And I actually remember telling children, nah, you know, I got a blood infection. <laughs> you know, and they probably would look at me like, What's right. this guy talking about? So she deliberately mm-hmm. not told me didn't tell me that I had HIV because of that fact. Um, right. But she said before then she knew that I knew something was wrong because I would go to the doctors often and I would question her about it. I can't remember the exact age I was when I first like knew the terminology. Mm-hmm. Um you know that it was hiv it may have been 9 or 10 i think it was around the time
0: mm-hmm.
1: um 8 or 9 or some some around the time when i um before we had moved down to north carolina um mm-hmm. i think i i have more memories of it than than i do now um right. not that than i do now than i did when i was younger of it being um hiv instead of an infectious infection in my blood cuz that's what she said mm-hmm. you had an infection in your mm-hmm. blood right. um but the support system I would say was good. You know, I, um, you know, it was different at times because obviously this was a condition that was given to me, which I really, at the time didn't have any control over, you know, I was born with it. And so, um, you know, my mother was very supportive and she would be very emotional at times as well about it, you know? Um, and you know, my siblings were supportive and all my siblings didn't know at the time they do now. Um, but only a few of them, I think only my older siblings knew, you know, and, we, and it wasn't something that we talked about very often. It just would be like, if I would get sick or something was to happen. Cause you know, they would forget sometimes, you know what I mean? Like wow. on a day to day life, you know, laughing, playing, arguing, fighting, you know what I mean? We, we just would forget. But then if I get cut or get in an accident or get sick, then all of a sudden, oh my God, we forgot about this, you know? So the support system was, you know, pretty good. Um, I would say for the most part, my mom was very supportive. She spoke very positively. About me, about the disease, you know. I always say you're going to get married, you're going to live a long life. And in my mind, I really, you know, I desired, you know, to live a very long life. I said, man, I, I want to live longer than 70, 80 years. You know what I mean? And that's still, you know, whole truth right. to, that to this day. Um, and you know, they, they were telling my mother, you know, I probably won't live that long. You know, and if I did, that because you know a lot of children, I guess, who were born with it, um, or you know, were coming ill and weren't making it. You know, some of some some of the children were dying at a young age or getting AIDS and. Um, so they thought that I would fall in that category. But, you know right, um, right. in the Quran it talks about it's a sore or not a sore eye yet. It says that they plan and Allah God also plans. And God right. is the best of planners, you know. Absolutely. And so the doctors yeah. us, at times may give us knowledge and information, even to this day. And and, you know, my mother, um, she looked into to a higher knowledge, you know, and you know, she prevailed. So so that's just kind of how it was, you know. So I, I would say the support system was great. Like I said, a lot of people didn't know. Um, my mother didn't tell a lot of, and she didn't even tell, like our aunt, my aunts and uncles and stuff. Only individuals I knew was some of those on my biological side and my mm-hmm. close siblings, who I was raised, who I grew up with.
0: Hmm. So, so Marcus, to that point, I mean, obviously, you know, there's been a great deal of uh, revolutionary. Change in terms of you know improved and available medications over the past you know thirty five years. Um, in the, in the early stages of the virus, there wasn't a great deal of hope, as you spoke to, in terms of the diagnosis. Um, what is it like um, to live with HIV today versus over the past twenty seven years? Uh, what what has um been some of the changes or challenges in terms of the long term healthcare?
1: Well, from my understanding, and you know, I'm only most of what I will speak on is just based off experience and based mm-hmm. off paraphrasing from, you know, individuals that I've met or scientists or doctors from that era. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just from studying, you know, and looking at history, you know, um, when this virus first came out, you know, the doctors and the scientists who were striving to treat it and striving to find cures for it truly didn't understand what it was, you know? And sometimes when I explain it to people, like when I started studying, when I went to college and I had my biology class and we had came up of the sub came up on a subject of the immune system.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I started studying the T cells and the B cells, which are cells in your immune system that are produced from, um, produced from your um, your bone marrow, and then uh, some are produced from a, I think it's called your thymus gland in your body. And they actually are the cells that fight off infections. And typically, when one is to get when one gets sick with a cold or some kind of flu or some kind of virus, what happens is the B cells are like the body's first defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. They take pictures of these cells, and they take pictures so they can report over to the T cells and then T cells, then start to re- reproduce themselves, or no, they go to attack the cells, the, uh, the agents or the viruses that, that is now entering into the body. But each one of these viruses typically have a receptor. And so then once the, a T cell binds to the receptor, it can destroy, it, it puts enzymes inside of the virus and they can destroy. So then now that T cell makes re- reproductions of itself because each T cell has different keys. Mm -hmm. So now it makes the same reproduction of the one that killed it. So that way it can match all the receptors with HIV is very similar. However, when one T cell finds an HIV virus and binds it to it and kills it, the HIV virus also is reproducing itself to different strains. Mm -hmm. So by the time the T cell reproduces itself to now fight off this virus, the HIV has multiplied itself exponentially higher than what the T cell has multiplied itself. So now it has to kind of the body has a the immune system has to restart over and over again. And on top of that, the HIV cell can can go attack a T cell. And you it can look like it's a T cell to other um cells in your body, but it's really a T cell, HIV posing as a T cell, like an agent inside of a, a body, and then it's right. affecting the other cells. So it was really something very new, and to me, I was like, man, this is literally a genius disease, like it's literally a genius disease, any other cold or even flus, if one has a strong immune system and they get the flu, they don't need medication, the body can fight it off naturally. you know the flu is just a chronic you know it's a chronic um I don't say chronic, but it's a um it can become something that's very um you know infectious if you don't uh if your body isn't to the um you know, if it if it hasn't been uh, properly cured for, you know, it it can basically take somebody out because people do die from the flu. But if a person's healthy and they get the flu, then their body can fight it off. You know what I mean? Right, but right, the HIV right. is just always changing. So then they just didn't know what it was. You know what I mean? And and so then when they would try to find these different medications, then it's some of the medications were working and some weren't working, and the ones that were working had these um, you know, very extreme side effects. You know, and so. You know, it was it was, you know, global pandemic. And I, I kind of I don't want to compare it to the coronavirus, but, you know, um, because it, we weren't sheltered in place. But it's only because HIV wasn't spread airborne. If it was spread airborne, then it would probably have been something similar. But it was like, man, this person has HIV. Let me get away from this person. Like we know today mm-hmm. if somebody walks up to us like, yeah, I just got tested for COVID. I'm like, All right, great. Can you um, back up six feet? You know, right. I love you, but I don't want you close to me. And that's how it was when someone contracted AIDS and HIV mm, back then. Like, yeah. oh, he got AIDS. Oh my God, I can't be with her. I can't be with him. You know, and so today, um, they have many medications, and they call these medications antivirals. Some individuals may take one or two pills. Some individuals may take six or eight, seven pills. You know, it all depends on the condition of their immune system and the progression of the HIV virus. Uh, however, even these antivirals aren't perfected so basically they are um made and created to keep the virus at bay but it doesn't eliminate the virus from your body cuz this is a retrovirus i mean it can be asleep but it's still alive in your system it's just not um, destroying your cells mm-hmm. uh, however even these antivirals and i'm not you know talking negative to, but it's just just the reality have very strong side effects you know and that's one of the reasons why i chose not to take them not only because of the side effects like if i had no other alternative i would do that but it's you know and i know we'll probably get into that a little later um but i'm working on other healing methods but the the medications are you know more advanced you know more improved than they were 20 or 30 years ago um like i said they still do have certain side effects you know they're very strong um however they don't eliminate the virus you know and i do believe that they are cures for it and it will be um a cure in the future um, I believe they actually have one already' Because I'm like, if you can do all this with a pill like it's it should be no way that you can uh not take this virus out, you know you that should be something that can be done is to actually eliminate this from someone's body if you can basically keep it asleep, you know what I mean mm-hmm. um right. so that's that's my viewpoint, you know that's my knowledge from it my
0: experience so so Mark is um, you know you're married, married with children, beautiful family, I may add. Um, I have to ask, how did you first begin to navigate, uh, you know, that conversation with your now wife who then you were attempting to date? So great question.
1: So I went over it first in my head over and over again. I was really confident because when I had made in my mind that, you know, I said, you know, this is the one I really want to spend the rest of my life with. And I, in my heart, I knew she had already felt the same way about me. And I said, I truly in my heart believe she loves me. And if she loves me, um, if I educate her and explain to her everything that happened, you know, she, she most likely will accept me. <laughs> so I was really confident about it. All right, but at all right. the same time, I was like, man, as as I got closer and closer to the time I wanted to tell her, I was like, man, she'd be like, you know what, I do love you, but, you know, I'm not about to risk myself for this. Or, you know, I don't want to, you know, I really want to have children. I don't want to risk them having it. You know what I mean? Or I don't want to be concerned about your health, you know. So other factors started to come in play and I said, well, you know, I gotta, you know, if, if, if this is someone I'm, I want to spend the rest of my life with, I only have one option is to tell her, you know, mm-hmm, you know, if fine. I walk away, I'll never know, you know, mm-hmm, but if mm-hmm. I, you know, be straightforward and just explain to her everything that happened, explain to her the history of it, the education, how I was born with it, how if I take care of myself properly, most likely she will not catch it. Our children won't have it. Then most likely I'll have a chance. And so that's why I kept envisioning it in my mind over and over again. And then we got to the time where we sat down to talk and say, Hey, look, I have something very important. I would like to talk to you about, you know, and I discussed my mother, you know, how, how she caught it and how I caught it, how I was born with it and how, um, if I took care of myself, and if I was undetectable, then, you know, she wouldn't catch it. She wouldn't get it. Most likely it's like a, they say it's impossible. Some, some scientists say it's 0.005% or something. It's like very unlikely for one to catch it, um, through sexual mm-hmm. intercourse. Um, if that person is undetectable. Um, it, and even if that person was to catch it, it's even, you know, nowadays, you know, a mother can have it and a child um, most likely won't have it if, if the mother is taking care of herself or she's on medicine. So well, that's just my experience with that.
0: Mm-hmm. So again, you're married, and then how, how did, you know, the subject of, um, you know, children with an HIV-negative wife come into play? I'm sure, you know, the subject in and of itself um, came with some, a tremendous amount of legitimate concerns. Uh, how did you guys sort of navigate the complexities of what could have again, very well been a scary and dangerous situation or outcome?
1: Well, we, um, I mean, we definitely first and foremost put our, um, faith in God, you know, we truly believe that he would bless us and we truly believe that we called on him that, you know, he works out miracles, you know, and I remember, um, when I first told my wife, she looked at me and said, you know, um, you know, I know we're going to be great and we're going to find the cure for this. And, you know, so when we were, you know, looking to have children, you know, I made sure my health was good. And then even after we were in the process of that planning, you know, my wife got tested as well. Um, and, you know, we made sure she was good. So that way, um, when we have the child, it wasn't, she wouldn't, the child wouldn't have it because of my wife and not going to have it and the child wouldn't have it. And so, um, you know, so it definitely was a concern, you know what I mean? It wasn't something that we definitely just like, all right, we're going to do this. I mean, we definitely had to, you know, um, look into this and just really put it into prayer, but because of our education, you know, um, because of our love for God, our love for one another and, you know, you know, me striving to take care of myself, you know, we were able to, to go through with it. And praise be mm-hmm. to God, she doesn't have it. Both my children don't have it. You know, and a lot of individuals think that because one has HIV um, or AIDS that their significant other will have it or the children will have it. That's not like the case. Just because I was born with it, it mm-hmm. doesn't mean that other individuals have to be born with it. With, with it mm-hmm. it, it mm-hmm. is possible, but very unlikely if the person knows of the status and, and is taking care of themselves.
0: Mm-hmm. So so is there every time you get sort of paranoid um, about passing it on uh, to a family member in the home or some other way um, to a person who's not HIV positive, uh, you know, what are some of the protocols in the home you sort of implement? So
1: when I was younger, I would say yes to that. You know, when we were younger, I had a I mean, I'm still very careful and cautious the way I move, but I was a lot more concerned and cautious and thoughtful when I was younger and just, you know, worried because, you know, I'm sleeping in the same room with my brothers, you know, we're brushing our teeth, we're getting dressed together, we're playing together, you know, and I'm like, you know, back then the education and the understanding of HIV wasn't what it was now. And so in my mind, saliva my mother tells me not to kiss a child or kiss a, not a child but kiss another girl when i'm growing up as a child you know 10 11 mm-hmm. 12 years old i'm thinking it's in my saliva you know what i mean uh, i knew it was in my blood because the doctors made it clear that blood and sexual intercourse is the way that for it to spread so i'm like let me not cut myself around let me not get cut or something or get in an accident around my brothers because then they might if they touch my blood they might have it you know, so right, we kind of right. had that mindset. Then I had to put my toothbrush up in a different area because I don't want them to use my toothbrush. Because see, sometimes your gums may bleed, you know, mm-hmm. or if they put their my toothbrush in their mouth, they may may get it. Or if I drink after them and they're sick, then I might get sick. You know, so it was just right, a right. lot of caution. You know what I mean? And it was a lot of protecting other people, but also protecting myself because I don't want no one else to get it. But then I don't want to be sick. My mom would be like, if somebody else sick, they got to sleep in another room, like if if someone else sick don't cause she was like, I don't want like it was one time I remember a nurse came in to, you know, draw my butt. A nurse came in sneeze and coughed and my mom was like, I'm sorry, you're gonna have the request for another nurse. And she hurt the nurse feelings. And then another doctor came, my mom got emotional. She says, I'm sorry, I just can't take any chances. You know, mm-hmm. she started crying, and was like, I can't take any chances with him. Right. I do not want him to get sick because if he gets sick, it's harder for him to heal versus another person. Mm-hmm. You know, um and so it was just me being very, very cautious growing up. Now, as an adult, you know, we know that one, it's not in the saliva. Um, And uh, two, you know, obviously, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not bleeding, you know, every day. So it's like, you know, even if I'm bleeding, it's like my children are sitting right next to me, touching my blood. It's typically when you're mixing someone else's blood, like when it was spread through uh, drugs because of, and the blood being inside of the needle. And so some of that blood may have not been touching air. And Mm -hmm. so when they now use that same injection or a dirty needle or unclean needle, then now that person has it, you know, um, and through sexual intercourse, it was very, it was was spread more through sexual intercourse. Um, when one would have maybe some kind of infection or STD, you know? Mm -hmm. And So here at home, you know, obviously, my wife and I use our own toothbrushes <laughs> right, right, <laughs> you know, right. you know, for kissing. You know, I don't have a cut in my mouth, so I'm fine. Um, I mean, there were times in the past when I was first getting married, you know, where we would be concerned, like when we were planning to have children, we would really be like, all right, we got to pray that this doesn't happen or children don't get it. Or if one of my children are sick or she was sick, you know, I would, I would, they would really try to, my wife would really try to keep them away or she would try to stay away. And they still, my wife still kind of does it today. Like if she's sick or the children sick because I don't want Mark to get sick, but I literally, like, the way I am now and who I'm developing to, like, it literally doesn't even concern me no more, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I really, I, I believe that the mind is over the body, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. if my mind is in a certain place and I'm aligned with God and I'm eating the right foods, I'm taking care of my mind and I'm taking care of my body that not saying I can sit around the flu or coronavirus and not get it, but
0: right, right, it's
1: right. more unlikely for me to even get sick now because of the way that I move and sometimes I feel like with you being worried and concerned and being so cautious of your health and you're like, Oh, let me not go near this person. Like you're drawing the illness to you. I mean, you gotta be smart. I'm not saying go clean up someone else's vomit or blood, you know, or, um, lay in a bed with someone. that's sick. well, but in my mind I've learned to not fear that, to not be so cautious of it or concerned about it to allow it to worry me, you know? So, so, so today I'm not really concerned about passing it. Like we're still, you know, because of the way I'm, I'm raised, I was raised because I grew up with, it, I'm very prepared and very organized with the way I move. Um, so it's, it's developed me to the point where it's, it's natural for me to kind of uh, how I am around my wife, how I am around my children to where if something was to happen, something's natural to the point where I'm moving respectfully for them and me in protection of me and them. Um, But at the same time, it's not like it's not fair and it's not me being super concerned about it. So that's just kind of how it is now.
0: Right. Right. So, Marcus, to your point, am I'm right uh, to assume you are not on a lot of medications. Um, You sort of, as you said, implementing a very restrictive and disciplined diet. What exactly is your medication uh, regimen like and your diet like?
1: Well, right now, um, I won't say I'm not on any medication. Because uh, my medication is a social guy. <laughs> mm, right, right. So, um, you know, definitely he's the first medication. My prescription every night, every morning, and throughout my day um, is, you know, praying and really just um, having the right mindset, the right thoughts, aligning myself up with him. The Honorable Mentalist mm-hmm. Farrakhan said that God has placed inside of every human being its own hospital. And if we align ourselves with the creator, you know, we think right and eat right and do right, then we start to activate our own healing system within our own bodies. You know, he talks about, you know, in the Bible and in the Quran, you don't, they don't talk about any hospitals. You don't hear anything about a hospital. You don't hear anything about um, prescription medications. But how is it that all these um, prophets like Noah and Methuselah and great men, were able to live 900 or something years old is because of the way that they live, the thoughts that they thought, you know, the actions that they did. Um, they knew how to take care of themselves. They knew how to take care of their bodies. They knew the science of the food. Mm-hmm. And so I I started to think, you know, because I used to take medication, um, for years. And like I said, who I am today, I didn't become, I had to grow in into this person and I'm even growing and learning more each and every day and developing into a, I believe a more spiritual and greater person that God is going to in help, you know, in, in the God's name that God is going to use. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, so what I learned is that early, I mentioned that this virus is like a genius and it is, you know, but then you got to ask yourself, well, what's a genius to God? You know what I mean? The all knowing, the all seeing, the all powerful. Absolutely. Absolutely, And if we truly do have healing powers in our bodies, you know, and you always hear about these, um, you know, spiritual teachers or, you know, preachers or you know, the ministers. One of them, because he talks a lot about healing. You know, Jesus said he came to give us life and give it to us more abundantly. Well, if we are following the law of Jesus and his teaching, and his indoctrination that he gave to upon us, and we're reading the Bible as if it's helping us today, or the Quran or whatever holy books that we read, then we should be healing. You know what I mean? And so, um, so now. I stopped taking the medications because I said I truly can't really be healed from God if, if I'm, you know, taking these medications. And I truly believe that the ears are cured. Now it could be some kind of medication I'll take or it could be a plant or herb, you know, or it could be me just eating the right foods because, um, so one thing I do do is I, um, I only eat once a day. Um, the most honorable Elijah Muhammad has a book called how to eat to live. One of the most, um, impactful books that I've read. It's probably one of the most first books I read when I, even though I was raised in a nation, you know, I read a lot of books growing up, but I don't think How to, to Live was one of them. So I think I first read How to Live around eight, when I was 18 years old. Mm-hmm. And I had always knew that. I felt as if I could live long, like 100 more years or so. I always thought that. I didn't know that in How to eat to Live, the most humble Mohammed Muhammad taught that if you eat one meal a day and fast two or three days each month, <clears throat> one could live 140, 150 years. And I thought, how is that possible? You know, and he was like, the way that we eat and the way that we do things is based off of what we've been taught from a Western society point of view. Absolutely. And so, um, And he starts teaching on the stomach and how the, ingest, and, um, the digestive system works and how you eat one meal a day to clean out your body, you know, give your, your stomach more time to rest. He was like, or we're sending ourselves to the grave by the, the foods we eat and how often we eat them. And then he goes to eating one meal a day or to one meal every other day and how um, the less that we do eat, as long as we're not harming ourselves, you know. The less we do eat, the more healthy it is for our body because our body is now on a natural detox. You know what I mean? And he starts talking about how some chronic diseases can be healed from just eating one meal a day, one meal every other day. And then he says not only eating the one meal a day, but thinking the right thoughts. Because he says that the brain operates very similar to how the digestive system operates. He said what you feed it is how it'll act. You know, how, how it'll function. It functions based off what you feed it. So if you're feeding it good food, it's going to operate good. If you're feeding it bad, filthy food, it's going to operate bad. And so then we got to think about, well, what am I putting in my mind each and every day? Mm-hmm. You know, and um, and so that's my medicine right now. Just thinking the right thoughts, you know, um, making the right decisions, eating the right foods, you know, working out, you know, trying to commune with nature, read, you know, these holy books and just doing what I'm doing now, trying to help people by sharing my story. Um, and I do that. I believe God will heal me or lead me to what the cure um, to a real cure out here.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So it's really of the mindset. Um, let good food be your medicine, if you will. Yes, sir.
1: I do believe there's a cure um, called um, but it's an alpha interferon. I took this supplement when I was a child from I think around two years old up until I was like eight or nine. And while I took that, I don't want to say I never got sick. I mean, I, there were probably times I got sick, but it was very, it was very unlikely that I would be sick. Um, I was going to the doctors. I was undetectable. My CD4 count was high. CD4 GT cell count. You want that number to be high because that determines the strength of your immune system. Mm-hmm. And so I took that for years. And the doctors thought the you know medical doctors, physicians thought that I was taking the anti anti. Um, What's it called? Mm-hmm. Um, So they were like, "Man, this, they wanted to do experiments and testing." But truly, I was on alpha, alpha interferon, and my mother was feeding me the right food, and through her prayer, her faith, and through my faith in God, you know, I was healthy. Um, mm-hmm. But then when we moved, we weren't able to access that again, so I had to start taking the antivirals. I took the alpha interferon again, um, but I didn't have the same results as an adult. Now I just don't know if if, it, if I wasn't taking it long enough or if I had the right doses or strength, but From my experience, um, that was healing me, and I've heard of other individuals in the Nation of Islam. Well, I don't don't want to say individuals, but I I think there was an individual that it actually um, took away their virus in totality. Hmm. And um, the doctor I was being prescribed this from was Brother um, Doctor Ali Muhammad, Mm -hmm. and it was another um, brother at the time. I think I was working with Brother Victor that was, um, you know, creating the actual, uh, working with the actual supplement. And, um, yes, yeah, so I took this years and um, I know, but I, th- I think it's just you got to find the right source because, you know, you have many scientists, and individuals this day that say, oh, I got this, I got that. But I know alpha interferon is now they're saying this can cure. And I, in Cuba, they use alpha interferon to heal the coronavirus because the coronavirus has HIV strains inside of it. I think it's like 18 A- HIV strains or something like that. Mm-hmm. um of inside of the coronavirus. And so alpha interferon is used to treat the coronavirus as well. Um, but that's definitely known. And your body produces alpha interferons naturally, but when you have HIV it doesn't produce enough to actually destroy the mm-hmm. um HIV virus inside of the body. Um, so that's that's something that I believe is a potential cure. But I, I in my heart I truly believe that, you know, us as a people, um, sickness will not exist if or even if it did, it will rarely exist um, if we live the right way and thought the right way, ate the right food and just, you know, been around, you know, this, the environment, you know, a sunny, healthy environment, you know, warm climate, you know, community with nature. Um, but, you know, just think about the environment we live here pandemic and, you know, uh, wars within a political party, wars inside of our own community, wars inside of our own household, wars inside of our own minds. So it's hard to heal when you're constantly fighting you've constantly got your cars up. You're walking to the door of your house in a low in- income neighborhood and you got your key out ready to enter it <laughs> because you're right, right. And so yeah. it's hard to heal in that kind of environment. So we just got to free ourselves and free our minds and connect
0: with God. Mm-hmm. So Marcus, I got to ask, I mean, obviously, you know, you weren't permitted to do a lot of things growing up. What would you say was your most difficult period You know, whenever your status was made known, have you ever, you know, had to go through periods of being discriminated against, avoided, ignored, um, or rejected for being HIV positive? And if so, how did you deal with that situation? Growing up, um,
1: not too many individuals knew. Um, Just my mother, my father, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and some of my siblings. And I think my mother may have told, it may have been like one or two close family members or or believers that she had told when I was really young. And I don't even know if they even remembered from back then. I know when my mother first brought me home and they may not want to admit it. They they told me, one of them told me that some of my family members actually in my household were afraid of me Mm -hmm. because this is back in 90. Well, she got me in 94. Mm -hmm. And so HIV and AIDS was still pretty hot and popping back then. Like, man, she come home with him. we, We might get this thing. You know, so a couple of them kept their distance from me, but, you know, my sister said, you know, she wasn't one that was scared of me. My older sister, Shanita, um, she said that when she saw me, she saw my big bubbly eyes and fell in love with me. And one of my other siblings who was a little nervous about me, said he kept his distance, but he said after like a day or two, he said, I look so cute. He couldn't, he couldn't just keep his distance. So everybody just fell in love with me, Mm -hmm. you know, um but it was because of the misunderstanding they took some courses on it back then as well. But growing up, you know, I would have it in my mind. Sometimes I always, I knew my mother loved me about the man. I wonder if she thinks differently of me because of this burden that I put upon her plate, you know? So I had times where I thought about that. I had times where I thought about my siblings, like if they looked at me a little different because of the, because of that fact. But other than that, not really. Um, when I have shared my story, you know, I feel like, you know, when I, when I expressed the world, there were a lot of individuals that, you know, um, it drew me closer to my only hope was I didn't want anyone to treat me different. Uh, treat me like the same brother Marcus. You know what I mean? The same cheerful market. I love to dance, you know, uh, love to enjoy, laugh and make other, uh, make jokes and help other people laugh and put a smile on their face. You know, I'm not saying, well, don't be sad. You know, this is a time of joy. Um, mm-hmm. so, it, so it drew some individuals in closer, you know, but then I also noticed that when I shared my story, um, some people kind of were a little, seemed a little more distant than they were before. You know, mm-hmm. I, mean, I just didn't know if it because they were. They just didn't know. I didn't tell them beforehand or um, maybe it made them feel a little uncomfortable, you know, um, but you know, it it is what it is when you're doing works like this that, you know, God is going to grow, help um, help people grow closer to you and some people may not um, grow closer to you, may grow further away. So that was, um, you know, a little challenging. Um, But, you know, I had to rise above emotion because I understand at the end of the day, you know, it's not about really me. I mean, it's about me, but it's really about God and what he's using me for because i'm just his vessel you know what i mean mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. one vessel among millions and millions of them or billions and so um um so you know i had to um, overcome that you know but I, I truly just um my goal is to really just inspire people you know and educate individuals on not only hiv um in the reality of it and the truth of it and in the stigma but also just the reality of healing, man, you know, it's, it's like, and, and, and I've lived this 27 years, you know, I mean, I've had moments where i have breaking down and I have moments where I'm full of energy and, and joy and full of life. Mm-hmm. But, um, and yeah, I, brothers will tell you, I remember being 18, 19, 20 years old. And like, what is my purpose? What is How is God going to use me? How am I going to be curious? Is God really going to carry? me? Like I would believe it, but I'm like, how is it going to happen? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But, I had to learn. Don't worry about the how <laughs>
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just
1: worry about the who and what, and then you keep working and God is going to figure it out.
0: Right, Marcus. So again, so to that point, you know, I know today, you know, you carry this positive winning mindset, um, that motivates so many, but, but, um, however, talk to us in truth about the sort of evolution of Marcus Muhammad today. You know, the the transparent Marcus that says, I haven't always been here. You know, there's been a process. Talk to us a little bit about that. um, Those moments in your life where you didn't feel um, like the the Marcus Muhammad today.
1: Man, it's it's definitely been a process. And I say it's still a process. It's like the more I grow, the more knowledge that I've gained, or that I gain, the more humble I become, you know, the more that God humbles me, you know, and, and I will say this, and I don't want to say this out of any, this sound vain, but I'll only say this based off of what others have said about me, you know, close friends, coworkers, my father, my mother, is that I've always had a persistent mindset, and I've always had a lot of enthusiasm, you know, a lot of joy with me. Doesn't mean I, I didn't have pain. It doesn't mean um, that I didn't experience adversity and challenges and burden because I've had my moments. But I always just wanted to live life and live a happy lifestyle. And I always saw myself helping individuals around the world heal from illnesses or experiences that maybe they didn't have any control of of, you know what I mean, and overcome it and find purpose in it. So I always saw myself doing that, but I just didn't know how and growing up. Sometimes I would have moments to, I would believe I would be great, but then I would say, well, why would God choose me for, you know, I come from nothing. Why would he choose me? Mm -hmm. Because I was judging from the fact that my biological mother, you know, God bless her and I love her. And I'm not upset with her at all, but man, you know, here's, here's a woman, beautiful woman using drugs gets pregnant with me but she's still out on the street using drugs you know and then my biological father I have no knowledge of him then I would f- figure out stuff about my grandfather and great-grandfather I said, man it's like everybody I come from you know um was living a different kind of lifestyle and so I thought like, why would God want to even use me anyway how can I help people when I got this disease and I come from all this stuff like people want to hear success not failures they, they want to hear success not pain so growing up, I would have moments like that, and then I would have moments like when I would be nineteen and twenty, like how am I going to find a cure when I can't even, you know, uh, super, uh, um, what was it? How am I going to find a cure when I'm not even a doctor or scientist?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How am I going to find a cure when I can't even really understand what I truly want to do and what kind of doctor or scientist I want to become? Then I go study out school and I'm like, man, this doesn't feel like it's really for me. Like I want to do it, but I don't like. I love knowledge, but it's like, I don't see myself in a lab all day. Right. You know, so I had to grow and I had to develop. And so I always had the passion. I always had the, pers- I, but I never gave up. That's why I say persistence. I never gave up. I would question God. You know, I had my one on my moments, you know, but I never gave up. I kept pushing. I said, somewhere I'm going to find a way. And I kept listening to, um, the arm for Louis Farrakhan like faith in the building of will, the power of God to heal the black man and woman of America. You know what I mean? Fear, faith, and truth. And, you know, I would listen to these lectures and he would just talk about faith is, is the um, evidence of the, what is it, the substance of the, um, faith is the evidence of the unseen, the substance of things hoped for. You know what I mean? Right. And, you know, faith is that substance, you know, and how if you believe in something, you have full faith, you can bring it into reality. So I, I just kept, you know, pushing that on my mind, you know what I mean? Putting a weight on that on my mind you know, studying him and then learning, then I had to start learning about the mind and how, how powerful we we are means that there's a Supreme God, but God, but Jesus says, you are God, children of the most high gods. And so we are powerful as well. um, If we connect with the most high God that we can literally see something in our minds and bring it about into reality. So I started learning about visualizations and the power of the mind and how, if you want something and if it's good that you can bring into reality, if you believe in it, you start going to work. And so, um, with that being said, I started believing. It. If I want to be healed, I'll be healed. If I want to be cured, I'll be cured. I just gotta believe in God. You know, um, I I was uh, my wife and I were privileged to meet with the Honorable Mister. Farcon. You know, and he confirmed and said I would be healed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, um, just all these testimonies, and you know, just looking back at the last twenty seven years of my life through all the experiences through all the success, the trials, the tribulations, the, the failures, all of them helped develop me to have the mindset that I do today. But some of it was already here, like I said, but some of it wasn't. Some of it, I had it real. And I'm constantly studying. I'm constantly learning. Because now I just want to, like, I'm not even really concerned about me. Like, in my mind, I'm already healed. I'm already healed. Like, it's, it's really any day now. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. But my goal is to now help others heal as well because I truly, I truly think it starts with the decision. See, we go to these doctors, and we go to the nurse, and then I'm not going to sit here and say that doctors aren't needed. All right? But are they truly, the ones that we're seeing, are they truly helping us? Is that diabetes you have? Do you still have it? You know, is that high blood pressure you have? Do you still have it? That cancer, is there a cure for the cancer you have? You know what I mean? The heart condition that you have? The brain condition that you have? The HIV that you have? Or are they just... Hey, take this medication. Here, take mm-hmm. this medication. Right. And, you know, and sometimes I go and it's like, um, I feel worse after the, the examination than I did before. Like I go, there were hopes of me being in, oh, you got this. There's no cure for this. Only thing you can do is take medication. There's no hope the virus always rechanges itself. And that's I feel like some doc- not all doctors, but there are a lot of doctors that have that kind of mindset as if medication and pharma pharmaceutical is the only um pharmacy is the only uh, method is the only way that one can maintain health. But we, uh, what are we eating? You know, what kind of meats are we eating? What kind of sugars are we eating? You know, what kind of, um, what what are we drinking? What kind of sodas are we drinking? What kind of juice are we drinking? All these things have an impact, but I think the greatest impact isn't just the way we eat, but the way we think, but, but maybe so the way we eat, because the way we eat impacts the way we think. They so you are what you eat.
0: Right.
1: Um, you know, it's all, this is, like I said, developing. Um, like I remember having conversations with, uh, you know, a good brother of mine, the brother Matthew, and I was, and I would, uh, he was a brother, Allah is going to lead you to the care, brother. I said, well, I, I'm not a scientist. He said, don't worry about that. I. I said, he's a brother. You were born with HIV. He said, you are alive today, you know, and then when I got married, he said, you, you got a wife that doesn't have it. He said, you love, you love our people. You love talking. You love science. He said, why would God not want to use you to find a care. I said, "Well, how am I going?" And I'm like, "Well, how am I going to? Do? I don't know how to do this." He said, "Brother, well, well go study." Or, or he said, "Well, maybe you might not find it. You might, you might find someone else that develops it, and you might be the voice to get the tutor care." He said, right. "Brother, you cannot." He said, "You cannot fath- I mean, you cannot understand the knowledge and the wisdom of God." Mm-hmm. And I, and I kind of like in my heart. I believed it, but I'm like, how, how? Because I'm, I'm an overthinker. You don't want to know, you know that I overthink things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So God had to continue to humble me. so don't worry about that. Just focus on me and focus on the mission.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So when Moses went to God and God said, <laughs> you know, uh, he he said, he, said, he tried to send Moses to Pharaoh and told him, this is what you say. And he's like, well, he was nervous. Like, Well, what do I say? Said, Tell him I am that I am. Like, that's what you got to say. He said, and then he then just asked for... His brother to someone to help him speak, and he gave him Aaron. But he literally, when the guy was like, "I don't, I don't really know what to say. I don't know what to do." He said, "Well, just tell him I am that I am." And I think you. that's one of my messages to individuals is that sometimes we just gotta keep pushing through. You know what I mean? Keep fighting, and we may not have all the answers. God has the answer, and so I had to develop into who I am today um, by studying, you know, um, learning, um, you know, from my mother, you know, learning from the honorable Minister Shafar Khan. Like I said, it was heavily impacted my life with his works, with his lectures, his books, his example, meeting him, was a, a blessing. I'm learning from um brothers and sisters and the mosque or other brothers and ministers in the mosque who I've, you know, read their books and you know, heard many of their lectures. Um, you know, reading books like Think and Grow Rich, you know what I mean? As a man think is those books were very impactful to me as well. And it developed and it made me um, um have the mindset of, because I always wanted the mindset, and I like I said earlier, I'm not I always had the mindset of healing, and I grew up wanting to be a doctor or a scientist. But I, now I see myself still being a healer, still being a doctor, but it may not be a pharmaceutical doctor. It may not be a physician. It may be a doctor of God using his voice. Jesus was a healer, you know, and I'm not, you know, saying that I'm no, nowhere near that, but I can accept what he is doing and pattern myself after him and be a mini little healer, you know what I mean? <laughs>
0: Absolutely, <laughs> and, yeah.
1: And, and by using truth, and using love, and using wisdom, using energy, using the mind, giving educational how to love yourself, how to treat yourself, how to love God. The Honourable Miss said, you can't love God more than you love yourself, just as you can't love anyone else more than you love yourself, because we really are all extensions of one another. And God, He, you know, He dwells, within us, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And we got to love ourselves. And so, um, as I continue to learn to love myself and to study myself and to study God, you know, and to desire to help my people and to stop being um, so hard on myself, trying to think about every little thing, God starts growing me and and blessing me and allowing me to understand more.
0: Mm -hmm. So, so Marcus, what do you wish other people knew about HIV today that they currently seem to be getting wrong?
1: So, I'll say it like this. I a brother, I had a conversation with her brother a few weeks ago. His sister reached out to me. She's a sister in the nation, and she had um, told me that um, her brother has the virus, has HIV, caught it, like 10 years ago. Not too many individuals knew, only she knew, and her parents, and maybe a couple other people. And um, she wanted me to talk to him because she felt like, you know, it basically changed his life in a negative way and it impacted him such a way to where it's uh, shifted his career shifted his lifestyle so i'd be honored you know to be able to talk to him and to share with him my story she because she wanted to she said because you're open with it you're sharing your story and you're you know doing what you believe Allah puts you here for or god puts you here for so i got on the phone with him and he said some very amazing things to me that i've, I've probably thought about but i probably didn't put too much attention on before. He said, Marcus, I've had cancer before. And then he mentioned another condition. He said, my family didn't have any problem sharing my story of me having cancer, me having another, I think he said stroke, or he had some kind of seizure or something where he passed. I think it was a seizure. You know, he said they would talk about this to the other family members and share it, which he didn't, he was both mad about it. But he said, but it seems like with the HIV and the AIDS, they don't want to tell nobody about that. It's as if they're afraid and ashamed of it. Mm-hmm. And he said, my thing is people have this stigma. Like if you got it, it's like, they don't want nothing to do. With you do not want to be around you. Like, and there are many individuals that have it. And I'll show you that anyone that gets cancer. I mean, they, I'm not saying they're going to go to, he was saying, I'm not saying they're going to go to everybody, but they're okay with opening opening up about that. Right, they're true. okay with opening up about asthma, high blood pressure, or uh, having a stroke, having a seizure, having some kind of heart condition. You know, if somebody asks. But it's like, when it comes to HIV, it's like, oh, we ain't dealing with that. And so he's like, even though it's not as bad as it was 20, 30 years ago, there's still that stigma. And I thought about it. And it made sense. Because most people don't go around talking about, hey, I'm HIV positive. I'm not saying even if they did, it would do that. But it's like, it's the disease that nobody wants to really talk about. Mm -hmm. And even before I uh, announced that I had it. I kind of knew that, but I didn't really put too much thought into it. I didn't really compare it to the fact that there are so many other diseases that people can bring up in an openly open conversation. But when it comes to HIV and AIDS, all of a sudden it's like, Oh, I I ain't telling nobody that. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really a stigma and it's really miss, um, understanding of it. miseducation because, I can see being cautious about sharing it with somebody that you are looking to engage into a relationship with, because then you have to really um, make sure your viral is undetectable, and you got to make sure they understand that if I if we do this, um, I do have this disease, but um, it's most likely not passable if my viral is. This. So you got to go through. So I can understand that barrier because you you know it does spread like that. But I'm talking about people on a normal level, family and friends. I don't even want to share it with this person because I'm afraid of what they might think. Right. And we have to remove the stigma and then we have to educate individuals and then we have to elevate the mindset of not only individuals that are miseducated, but elevate the mindset of those that have HIV or AIDS because they're really destroying themselves Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. by not sharing it or, I'm not saying you have to share it, But to feel like you have to hide it or to feel like it's a curse, that's really not good to the soul and it's really not good to the body. Mm -hmm. And one can't expect to heal if they're walking in secrecy. Absolutely. And so my goal is not only to uplift individuals' mind, uplift their spirit, uplift their faith, change um, the stigma, change the education, the way we eat, the way we think. But also um, to free individuals, whether it's HIV or whether it's some other disease or burden that they have experienced. It could be an experience that they've uh, dealt with years ago, and they don't want to share it because they are afraid of what the other people may think. My mind is I don't really, I don't care. I'm not going to say I don't care because I have a care because I'm trying to help people. But it truly doesn't really concern me of what other people think because so the power—the only person that has the power over me is a guy. And I want other, other individuals to understand that to stop allowing this disease to uh, keep them under a shell, you know what I mean, and to keep them in hiding. And then other individuals have to know that, one, HIV is really, even in sexual intercourse, um, it's really not spread like that. Even if someone's viral load is high, if that person is taking care of themselves and if there's no STD involved, but one, people have to learn that you know you just got to use protection. You know what I mean? Like we can't just be going around here, um, doing these activities with individuals that we barely know. You know we have to. Um, if you are going to engage into that, make sure that you all are safe. And one, if you do have it, you know you're with somebody, you need to share share your condition with the person. Now, if you're undetect- now the law is if you're undetectable, um, and you're using you know protection, you're fine. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Or as long as you're using protection, like uh, there's a law, as long as you're using protection, it's not, it can't pass if you're using, you know, a condom, like, or it's, it's very, very, very unlikely. Um, but if you're undetectable, there's also a lot, I think that protects people to where they don't have to share. But to me, I just think it's, you know, if you're going to go that far to those things, you just should share. Um And obviously, you know, in a nation, you know, we we are not engaged into those activities anyway, unless we're married. And if you're going to marry somebody, I hope they will know this.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely. So just to, my, to, the, my, um, to the audience that are listening to this, if you have HIV, if you have AIDS, um, don't be afraid of it. Um, you know, if you want to share with somebody, share with somebody. You know what I mean? And if, and if they are, you know, judgmental of you, I mean, just make sure you educate them. But if they're judgmental of you and don't want to be around you, then they're lost. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, you got to move forward. You got to sin. You know, you can't um, allow other people to uh, hold you back.
0: Absolutely.
1: So that's, that's just kind of my thing. It's just education and taking care of yourself.
0: Mm. Absolutely. So Mark, it's, you know, let's shift a little bit to the book. Um, uh, and again, congratulations on the release this Friday, uh, transforming pain to purpose thriving with HIV. Um, so what was your inspiration for the book, but more specifically, <clears throat> You know what did you hope to gain?
1: Um, so, and I, I don't want to say this, and in my apology, so the ebook is releasing tomorrow or twelve AM tonight, but the paperback copy is out today. I uh, attempted to do a pre order, but I wasn't aware that Amazon doesn't do pre orders with paperback. It's just whenever it's ready to be published, it's published. And I submitted it yesterday. Mm-hmm. I was thinking it'll be ready on Friday, and it's ready today. So the, the paperback is ready on Amazon. And I also um, it's, it's um I also have a link probably in a couple of weeks to where individuals can order directly from me, but I'm still awaiting my physical copies. so um the inspiration behind this book, so my goal was i I would like to reach thousands, if not millions, with this book, you know, to share an inspirational story of the power of God, the power of God's healing, the planning of God. The love of my mother and just um, my faith in um, me facing my adversity, adversity and overcoming the trials with God's help that I had overcame. And I wanted to share the story to help to inspire individuals all over the world that may have HIV, that may be dealing with something um, that is challenging to them or some kind of trial or facing an adversity, or may have had something that happened to them years ago that was out of their control. And they feel some type of way or they feel insecure about it or something that they don't want to share or something that they can't get feel like they can't overcome. Mm -hmm. And I started thinking. Pain, sometimes we think that pain is a burden. Pain can actually be a blessing. Mm -hmm. You can actually transform your pain to purpose. So I was thinking of something from pain and how HIV to me was painful. I didn't ask for this. Right. I didn't want a disease that I had to be taking medicine for my whole life for, because that's why I, I thought my growing up, I would have to take medicine my whole life. The disease that I possibly, back then, they didn't think that I would have children. Mm-hmm. So it was, poss- it was possible that I could have, um, have children with this disease. So that was, you know, I didn't want that. However, I know, knew that I could not go back and change the past. The only thing I could do is focus on the present and change and alter the future. Mm-hmm. And so this book was just um, and it's not my whole story, but it gives individuals the insight and takes individuals on a, on a portion, a large portion of my story growing up because my journey is still unfolding itself. Mm. And it gives them about, you know, me being born and it's just about the mindset I had as a child, my experiences as a child, my experiences as a teenager, my experiences as an adult and how, um, some of the adversity that I had to overcome and, you know, um, some of the the friendships I had, the relationships I have, some of the even some of the trials my mother had to uh, overcome. But it also talks about how God works, because there were certain things in my story that nobody could explain. Like the fact that I'm even alive today is just a testimony, because the doctors said that I only would live 12 to 13 years. And you'll find that in my book, and I talk about more about more into the story about how just me being alive today it testifies to the power of God and how. When we're going through painful experiences, just keep facing the adversity, keep relying on God, keep believing in yourself and pushing, because though it's painful, it's only temporary. And though we may not see it, God is working on your behalf. You know, and when he's working on your behalf and you're with him and he's with you, there's nothing that you can't overcome. And now looking back, just hearing stuff from my aunt, hearing stuff from my mother, from my wife, and just... Uh, the conversation that I would have, I was like, man, God was literally working the whole time. Mm-hmm. I may have not have saw it when I was, you know, laying on top of my bed and, you know, having my nights where I would be, you know, tearing up. Mm-hmm. But God was working.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When I would talk to God as a child, he heard me. And so uh, my goal is to reach other individuals to allow them that don't allow the pain that they are going through or the pain that they have gone through to hold them back. Don't live in the past. Take the pain and turn it and transform it to purpose. Thrive with it. You know what I mean? Um, Overcome it. Because every baby that's born into this world, the mother and the baby have to endure pain. When a caterpillar has to evolve to a butterfly, when it's in a chrysalis or in a metamorphic stage, it has to endure pain. Every transformation and evolution in the universe, whether it's an animal, whether it's an insect, has to endure pain. I'm mm-hmm. pulling back my books, it talks about who are we? We're called the glory of God. We're so great, right? Because a God made us great. You think we're not going to experience pain and adversity? Right. So I share this to share that just because we're going through so much doesn't mean that we have to continue to go through that. doesn't mean that that bounds what our life's supposed to be like, that we're going to be— um, based off the things that happen, we can't control what happened to us as a child, but when we turn certain age we can start having certain kind of control of our life. And don't live, some of us live our life thinking that there's some outside force or some one man in the universe saying, alright, I'm going to plan his whole life out there. Now there is a powerful being there, but there's a powerful being inside you as well, and if you all connect with each other you can be cause over your own life. You can live as long as you choose to live the way you eat, but if you if you're um, sad and you're not happy with yourself, and you're going to take drugs. You know what I mean, or you're and you're going to do things to yourself. And now you're destroying yourself. You're destroying your being. You're destroying your body. So now you don't have a, much of a fighting chance. But if you give yourself a fighting chance, you can prevail. You know, you can prevail against Satan. You can prevail against pain. You can prevail against the lower desires or the things that's going or the burdens that's going to hold you back. So that's what my my book is about. Is just basically. Talks about transformation, uh, evolution, overcoming pain, transforming it into purpose. Uh, how God saved me from HIV. I was born with it. Doctors said I was going to die. The things my mother did, me growing up with it. Uh, how I wanted to be a healer and how now I'm walking into my purpose. You know, how the, the, my story of how I got married and how I had children without it. So that, and what I hope to accomplish, like I said, is to reach people. And I also will hope to um, be able to use this as a vehicle to where it can help free me up more so I can write more books or so I can do more podcasts or so I can speak at more events to so where I can now reach people more on a global scale as this story unfolds, because, um, you know, I believe that this story along with other stories can heal individuals.
0: Absolutely. So Marcus, you know, I, I truly believe it's, it's a wonderful book of resilience and, and, uh, there will be many, um, uh, individuals blessed as a result of the book. And I truly wish you, Um, all the success uh, on the publishing of your book. Uh, You know, Marcus, I I always say that a huge part of this show is about, you know, positive winning mindsets, about being resilient and demonstrating, you know, that mental toughness and learning to face adversity, you know, all while continuing to transform and transition and lead a life where you are called to live, becoming your very best. And you spoke about all of that. And so, you know, we truly uh, bring guests to this show that truly embodies what this show is all about. And you, my friend, certainly embodies all that and uh, are certainly a major source of inspiration. And I truly wish you the best. And I salute you, sir.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very, very honored. And I appreciate all your kind of words. Uh, much love to you and everything that you are doing, you know, um, which is the works of God. And I'm just, I'm, I'm deeply honored. And I just pray that God can continue to use me. Like I said, all praise belongs to um, God, you know, um, and I'm just praying he can continue to use me to help heal and inspire others. And hopefully I can be in a positive inspiration to others as well. And they can change your life for the better. So peace. And I appreciate this. uh, You opening up your podcast.
0: Absolutely. So again, Marcus, before we go, tell us again a little bit about how we can purchase your book, how to connect with you either online or through social media. Um, And again, just connect with some of the things you're doing.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you for asking again. Um, So my Facebook is Marcus Muhammad. That's Marcus M-A-R-C-U-S-M-U-H-A-M-U-H-A-M-M-A-D. And I have a a suit on, so you'll see me when I pop up. And my uh, Instagram is Marcus Muhammad 7. So Marcus Muhammad 7. Um, I have a, uh, Instagram link. I have a link on my Instagram page where you can click on the link and it'll say, um, my transforming pain to purpose. You can click there. You can buy the, it'll take you right to Amazon You can get the book from there. Or you can go directly to Amazon and type in the name and it should pop up transforming pain to purpose, thriving with HIV. Um, yeah, so you can follow me on those two platforms in a couple of weeks. I'm waiting on some physical copies in a couple of weeks. I'll be uh, offering, um, if you want to go directly through me and Amazon, you can you can do that as well. You, you'll save a few dollars as well. But right now it is paperback. Um and it's also the ebook will be will be dropped tomorrow. Um I also have a um a uh, Facebook page um which was just developed because um, I'm just starting a company called the Hive, which stands wow. for healing, which stands for um, heal, inspire, you know, um value, basically teaching the, the, the value of oneself. And elevate, elevating us into a new level of consciousness, to a new mind, you know, um, the hive. And I, I got that name because, um, you know, honey has healing properties. And in the Quran, there's a sewer called the bee. And also, HIV is in the hive. So, HIV was the foundation of me um, finding. So, the HIV is capitalized. So, there's a Facebook page called The Hive um, because it's just starting, starting it. But I'll be, you know, I, I, on all my social medias, on my Facebook and my Instagram. Mm-hmm. You know, drop a lot of, I strive to drop motivational content, educational content on, you know, healing inspiration, you know, elevating our minds on um, the value of ourselves, the value of eating the proper foods, you know, just getting our minds to the right, to the right level each day um, you know, eating the proper foods you know, I'm going to have my books and stuff there so, um, so I do that a lot of content on my social medias as well
0: Wonderful. Again, Marcus, thank you once again for joining us today And it it has certainly been a pleasure. Um, And please come back and check on us real soon.
1: Yes, sir. Thank you. May God continue to bless you. Peace. We certainly hope that you enjoyed today's
0: episode. So make sure to join our Facebook group, Out Front with Vince Noble. And don't forget to comment, rate, share, and subscribe on the Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to download your podcast. Until next time, remember, you still get to write your own life story.